Y'all, we live in difficult times. There's war, political unrest, the pandemic, poverty, families being torn, communities ripped by gun violence and people dying every day. Police, injustice, it's all bringing so much pain. But y'all, we can look inside our minds and we can understand who we are, become better, and do this thing like we've never done it before. But it all starts with our mental health and I know we can do it. I believe in you because I believe in me and I believe in us. Hello, my name is Gerald McGee, clinical social worker and therapist of Everyday People Individual and Family Counseling Center. And we're so happy to be here today. I'm here again with Delilah Grayer, and we're going to have a discussion around suicide, which is such a powerful thing. You know what? If I had to start off with any thought or feeling, I would encourage everyone to be open yes. and to be good listeners because when it comes to suicide prevention, if we are good listeners and we can listen without judgments, criticisms, and condemnations, we can actually avoid a lot of suicides. You know, in America, I believe there's about 1.2 million yes. attempts of suicide every year. In 2020, there were over 45,000 suicides. Mm. And worldwide, there was somewhere between 700,000 to 800,000 suicides. That means, in my mind, picture this, that when we brush our teeth every 45 seconds, Mm. somebody somewhere is committing suicide. And this is preventable. Also realize that amongst our younger children, that it's like the first or second leading cause of death. And that in general, in America, it is the 12th leading cause of death. And it is preventable. I want to explore in this first discussion some of the reasons why it might be so hard for us to prevent it from happening. Yes. Not to create judgment, but I think it's an important question that we ask so we can begin to challenge us as individuals in a society to begin to become more conscious and open to people that might be struggling in such a way that they may want to end their life. Wow. I, you know, when we think about suicide, we might think about feeling emotions yes. like worthlessness, shame, guilt, feeling guilt, pain, feeling pain, bully, bullied feelings of being alone. Yes. Alone. And people not being able to express what is going on with them in a way that allows them to get help because of the shame and because of the guilt. But Delilah, I think some of the reasons why we might feel some of the shame and some of the guilt is because we live in a society, in an environment where fundamentally... Preservation of life yes. is the foundation of who we are. It's instinctively in us. So the idea of someone not wanting to maintain it seems like that can't be understood or that can't be comprehended. Right. A lot of times it's not. Secondly, there is a moral standard that has been created around it 
which makes us look like we're bad people feel like we want to not be in this life, in this skin, in this place. Like, what? what's wrong with you? Life is good. Mm -hmm. God is giving you a life. You should want it, embrace it, love it. So, so when we feel this way, it becomes difficult. And not to mention the people that might not necessarily be depressed, but maybe they feel strong and they're and but they're struggling on the inside yes. and they don't feel like they can go to anybody and say, look, I'm mm -hmm. feeling this way. I mean, what, what are you thinking? What I know I'm saying a lot, but what are you thinking, Delilah? Well, I'm thinking the same thing that you're thinking that so many times it's, it, they feel embarrassed or not worthy or deserving against it's the lack of expression and the uncertainty and the ambivalence do, as my girlfriend, we used to use this term, do you stay or do you go? Right. Do you stay or do you go? And so all of those issues, all of those behaviors come up. Yeah. And, but don't forget, there's a piece where people come in the world sometimes and feel unloved. Right. Yeah, loved and unloved. And so that is another issue that comes up or abandoned. Abandoned. A rejection. Right. So many of the behaviors you said, guilt, shame. Right. And you know, with that being said, I think it's important that we stop looking at the idea of suicide as some moral or character defect and begin to be open that people can actually feel this way so we can actually hear them. Yes, and prevent it. Yeah, so because we can't it's prevent something... If we're not willing to hear it, exactly, because if somebody, so, as soon as somebody say they feel like they want to die, we're saying, "Oh, you shouldn't feel that way." Always, or oh, we shouldn't even cry. We shouldn't cry, or you got it good. What's your problem? Oh, say that. That's exactly. What's what your problem? Say. You know, I work real hard to make sure that you have the things that you oh, need. Wow, you shouldn't you feel that so way. Honest. You're being, you're ungrateful. Yeah, you know, God wouldn't like that. Where does people that commit suicide go? Yeah. Yeah, I, I said, I got to just for one moment interrupt you. I said to my sister one day, I said, I feel depressed. And she said, oh, you shouldn't. You got this, you got that, you live here, you do that. And that has nothing to do with it. Right, right. You know, and so we have to understand and be open that people may feel this way. And we need to hear them and ask and say, how can I support you? Mm -hmm. How can I help you versus asking why exactly see me and hear me see That's me and I hear me exactly say. hear me and see me so so i can support you because i believe great that we have the suicide line that you can call or text 988 or the national suicide line or you could go to the emergency room or 211 care you can do all these mm -hmm. things but and so we need to do those things but it's important that first line of defense in preventing suicide is someone who will hear you. Yes. Someone will Deeply. hear you. You know, I will even go farther. Okay. So there is a large group of people or a small group of people, however you want to say it, <laughs> that are alienated mm -hmm. and they don't fit in. And many times in their families, 
They don't have not one person who's emotionally supportive. Exactly. Your kids who are, and I know I'm about to go here, but this is a very tough one. When you talk about the kids who may identify as being LBGTQ, you know, those kids that they're not really fighters, they're not really cool, they don't fit in. Those Mental those, health, period. Those individuals that don't speak, yeah, mental health, period. Mm-hmm. Those people who don't fit in the social norm. Yes. Those individuals. So, because remember, so much of being human on a fundamental level is being liked and being able to mm-hmm. be engaged. So when somebody's obese. different, yeah, being obese, mm-hmm. when somebody's different, they don't fit in the social norm. We tend to look at them and we make them feel unsafe Yes, because we're not allowing them to be a part of who and what we are. Exactly. So now they feel isolated. And then if they go home, they got unavailable, emotional, unavailable Emotionally unavailable dad, emotionally unavailable mom. Mom. They call him everything but child of God. And then they do. And then they expect them to be okay. They might give them things, but that emotional stuff. Oh, no. You're right. You're so right on that. Call them all kinds of labels, all kinds of labels. And it's just because that's why the suicidal piece in general, that 75% of the parent, their children commit suicide. And I'm talking about a big chunk is nine years old and up is they have no awareness that they were even thinking about suicide. So you have the suicidal thoughts and you have the suicidal ideations. Right. And that's probably because they live in an environment where they don't talk about feelings and emotions. Parents don't role model expressing Mm -hmm. feelings and emotions and supporting it. They're probably trying to be strong as we talked about in grief. And so as a result, these children or these people are isolated. Yes, they are. You know, I know we've been talking a lot about kids and granted in America, Hispanic white males are probably the most likely to commit suicide. However, you know, that might seem like these, these individuals are, are taking care of themselves, but a lot of them don't have the emotional support that they need. And some of them may become very wealthy, very comfortable in life but they never got the emotional support they need. Mm-hmm. And as a result, at the end of the day, they can have a lot of things, but still not feel fulfilled, still feel by themselves, isolated and in their life. So I think it's important for us to understand how we need to connect with each other We do and, and talk and not, and be non-judgmental when mm-hmm. we hear the idea of suicide. Because when we do that, we open the door for more discussion to help keep us safe. Yes, and I think the other important thing is for, to, for people to know the difference in suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. Ah. Now, suicidal ideation is with the idea, but it doesn't, you have, the person has not made a determination or decision of exactly how it's going to be done. Right. They would just say, I want to die. You know, I'm tired of school. I'm tired of my sisters, my brothers, and I just don't want to live anymore. And then right. if you ask the question as a therapist, the question is, so can you tell me how you were going to go about or how that was going to develop? They don't have any idea. Suicide ideation. There's a difference in the ideation and the actual act and how they were going to carry it out. Right. And I think from a clinical standpoint, mm-hmm. I, I, it's important as a therapist that we get involved, you know, when someone expresses ideations, we might say it's pretty normal for people to express at some mm-hmm. point in time. They feel like they want to die, but going from the ideations 
to an actual plan is there might be a gulf between that. But when you hear the ideation, it's important to be non-judgmental and try to hear. And if you're not certain, and most of us won't be certain, call yeah. for help at that point in time because you don't understand what's happening. Absolutely. Call for help. Don't try to be, don't try to be judgmental. And, but call for help because I think what a lot of people do is when they hear these things, they ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, he it was just a thought. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. But they, you, something you always should take serious, always serious, you know. And I remember, I'm going to share a story how working for an employee's assistance program. Right. Yeah, and so the executive director, this was years ago, I can say it now, uh, called for some help and said that one of his people needed some help and he didn't know what to do. Since we were in contract with that corporation, uh, I was the only one there at the time at the job. So to make a long story short, I talked to the fella. They said, oh, their concern initially was that he took overdose appeals and that he would not give anybody his name or address. So as I kept talking, told him how much I cared and just went through a little short narrative. And then I said, you know what? I just thought of something. Do you have a newspaper? And he said, yes. I said, well, Pick it up and open it up to the obituary. Mm. He opened it up to the obituary. I said, start reading those names. So-and-so, this 36 died of whatever. He got to the fifth name, and he said, wow. You know what? He said, I'm going to give you my information. He said, because I, I don't think I want to die. Mm. So he gave me his name, his address. I called the police right away. So it didn't take me long. That particular day, I happened to be meeting someone for lunch. And the supervisor came in, and she knew that. So anyway, after that, the next day when I came in, she came in my office. She said, I think you handled that situation too fast. I don't like the way you handle it. This is what happened. While she was talking to me, ironically enough, the executive director called, and the person that was going to commit suicide, said, we want to talk to the lady that saved my life. Mm. And when he said that, she came back and she apologized. She said, well, he's coming to meet you. Mm. So sometimes we have to be creative because out of the blue, I didn't know what I was going to say or do. Right, exactly. So sometimes like a therapist is just as well. You write on it. Right. You have to say it. And I think you being a therapist, being creative in that situation saved a life. And I want to emphasize to, you know, anyone who may have family members that might express suicidal ideations or may have attempted that, that you try to hear them and not judge them because I think it's important to get them help. Keep the lines of communication open because I think when we don't do that, we miss an opportunity yeah. and maybe in that situation he was able to get to you but many people that commit suicide never get to someone to get help or maybe if they do get to someone to get help they placate or act like there's nothing wrong during that yeah. time and, they do. and so then they go and they minimize it they minimize it and they go and they commit suicide so it's important for us to keep ourselves open to hearing and trying to understand and even asking and, and asking direct questions about suicidal feelings thoughts attempts you know uh, attempts to actually plan or take an action so they can be very direct about it i've noticed over the last few years there has been a significant increase in the number of african-americans 
who've tried to commit suicide and lives have been lost. I know in Cleveland, I can think of maybe three or four different stories just in the last year where someone has committed suicide. And it's like, I've never heard it at this rate before, at this intensity level before. And I haven't ever had a client to commit suicide, but I've worked with families who've had family members to commit suicide. And what I've learned, and I'll say anecdotally, is oftentimes there were signs that there were things going on, whether it was mental health, they was already having mental health issues that wasn't being addressed, or they were mm-hmm. socially isolated. They didn't have a support system where they could communicate right. their feelings, their emotions. And, and so this stuff was all bottled up. But then there's other situations where you hear people talk about this person seemed fine. They were doing great and they didn't, they wasn't having any problems, no indications. But in a deeper dive, you realize there were some things that they were struggling with. And sometimes it's not even, they're not meeting their own life expectations. Mm -hmm. And that difference between that ambivalence or that confusion between where they want to be and where they are creates this sense of purposelessness and worthlessness, which they feel like, they don't want to be here. And, and yeah, so say that. And on a cultural level, I think we push so hard for people to feel like, you know, they need to be doing this or doing that to be accepted, we to do. have a sense we of do. purpose that when we don't, when, when we don't come up to that, we feel lost. Mm-hmm. And not to mention when people have accomplished a great deal, how they may get all this stuff and didn't feel like, wait a minute, I got all this, but I still don't feel good. So trying to find the balance in allowing people to feel like they are humans and they're alive and they're good without having all the emphasis putting on the glamour and the glitz of life, but just living and being mindful in our very present state and being good is, is part of the challenge. If we could be more supportive, as you always say, avoid the judgments, JCCs, judgments, criticism and condemnations and just hear, become better listeners we probably could prevent a lot of suicides. Thank you for tuning in. This discussion will be continued in the next episode. 75% of the families or people have no awareness that the children or the teenagers, they feel there's no signs or signals that they were going to commit suicide or had suicidal ideations. Exactly.